Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm the host, Sean Boyce. I'd like to welcome my guest to the show today, Casey Johnson, who is the VP of National Portfolio and Learning at Greenlight Fund. Hi, Casey. How are you? And welcome to the show. Hey, Sean. It's good to be with you again. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And I'm super excited for this episode. But before we dive into the topics that we want to discuss, if you wouldn't mind, so our audience could become more familiarized with you, can you share some more information about your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, probably like many in uh, the social sector, nonprofit sector, it's a winding journey. Um, and so I've been with Greenlight Fund. For, I'm going on my 12th year, uh, which kind of makes me a little bit of a lifer at Greenlight. Um, I've, I've you know, been in a couple of different roles with Greenlight, but my time with Greenlight actually dates back 16 years, I guess. Um, and uh, like many of us who come to Greenlight, we have developed a deep passion and love for potentially a particular area of uh, focus and content expertise. Mine uh, prior to Greenlight was in early literacy, pre-literacy, early childhood development, family engagement. Um, They kind of all are intertwined and had done a lot of work in that space in different geographies around the United States domestically, but also outside of the United States. And, um, and just had to have a deep passion in that area. And that's actually that that connection to pre literacy, early literacy was how I first met the two co founders of Greenlight Fund, uh, John Simon and Margaret Hall, Um, about 17 years ago, um, they had selected their second investment ever to bring in to Boston. And it was an early literacy program that I was um, uh, leading in Northern California called Raising a Reader. And so I remember when my family had moved to Boston and and I got a chance to work with our founding executive director there to prop up Raising a Reader um, in Boston and then scale it throughout Massachusetts, thinking, who is this funder? Greenlight Fund. Um, And they're the most amazing funder that I've ever experienced. And why can't all funders be like them? And, you know, that was kind of the impression being on the receiving end of um, not just the funding, uh, which is amazing, but also a lot of beyond the check support. And um, fast forward a couple of years after I worked at an education think tank in Washington, D.C., and then helped consult with actually one of our portfolio organizations in our portfolio that's a home visiting program. Uh, my family, uh, we returned to San Francisco and um, I was doing a fellowship and about halfway through that fellowship, John and Margaret called and said, we're coming to San Francisco in a couple of weeks. We'd love to go out to dinner and catch up. And um, as you do with any great mentors, you always stay in touch. And so I was really excited to see both of them again, catch up on our lives, catch up on Greenlight Fund. And and, uh, they wanted to hear what I had been up to. And by the end of that dinner, they said, we think we're ready to take Greenlight Fund outside of Boston. And I think I fell off my chair. was also pregnant, uh, which was probably not a good thing uh, to fall off your chair. But I was shocked because I had always thought Greenlight Fund was this most amazing Boston funder, but that it was very focused on Boston and in Massachusetts. And to hear that they had actually always envisioned and dreamed that this could be a great investment vehicle and tool for community in other parts of the country, they just wanted to pilot test it first, which they did, you know, for the first six years in Boston, blew me away. And uh, and they asked if I would launch the pilot in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, that was 
almost 12 years ago this fall, um, right around the time where we were launching a pilot in Philadelphia. And as everybody knows, Philly is very different than the Bay. So it's kind of nice to have two different testing points um, for this. And so I became the founding executive director for Greenlight Fund in the San Francisco Bay Area, led our work um, in the Bay for the first six years, our first four investments. Um, and it was phenomenal and amazing and happy to say I didn't screw up the pilot too much because we're now in a bunch of other cities around the country and doing this amazing work now in 12 cities, soon to be 13. And um, about five to six years ago, as we were starting to expand to Cincinnati and Detroit and then Charlotte, we knew we needed to build capacity at the national level to support that growth and support those teams as they were implementing the Greenlight Method, our program model in their communities. And I had a wonderful chance to um, uh, step into a national leadership role with Greenlight Fund and support not only the Bay Area, which I, my heart will always be, um, but also to support our teams around the country and um, and have evolved our national portfolio function, building it from the ground up these last five to six years to what it is today, which is, is now we've added learning uh, formally to its national portfolio and learning. So hopefully that gives you a good sense uh, and a little bit of that winding tour um, that so many of us have for our careers. Absolutely. Love it. It's a remarkable story. Thank you for all of your contribution because I know it has helped countless people all over the place at this point and obviously super excited to watch it continue to grow and scale from here. Seems like a remarkable partnership. I'd say probably the first next quarter, I should say the next question I have from there because you've referenced it multiple times. I want to make sure people have a good understanding for what Greenlight Fund is and what makes its approach unique, which I think is really special. So can you talk a little bit about that for us too? Absolutely. And also apologies, because I think some people say, oh, you should have a, you should have this down, like, you know, in a short, pithy of what, what you do and and like elevator pitch. And I always joke that, well, my elevator is rickety old and it's a hundred story building. So I'll do the best I can. But, you know, how I think about Green Life Fund. So we are a funder. Um, we, some people have put us in like the venture philanthropy space, or we'll call us an import funder. Um, we raise dollars and then in each of our communities and then invest those dollars back in our communities through investments in, um, nonprofit 501c3 organizations who are doing work to move the needle on economic mobility for, residents, families, individuals experiencing poverty in our communities. And so we um, have a five-step green light method. Um, I'd say, you know, so much of what's embedded into the green light method, it's probably our not so secret sauce so much. Um, we want others doing it too, um, but really starts with our first step, which is um, uh, discover. And it's trying to find out what are the most critical uh, focus areas in our community that are high priority that we really want to better understand, um, understand who's doing amazing work in that space already in our community, because there's we have phenomenal assets in our community in so many different sectors and from our residents, really trying to understand what those um, focus area needs are and the high priorities there, and really zeroing in on where there might be gaps, um, where something's not currently being done or not um, scalable to be able to move that needle. 
And then we head into our second step, which is scouting the country. So instead of starting a new program from scratch, testing it, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, our belief is, well, somebody has figured this out. Somebody has got to have figured this out in another part of the country. Uh, and it's just not here yet. It's just not operating here. And so um, how can we find that amazing idea organization team that has proven um, to move the needle um, in this particular focus area, has the capacity, ability, and interest to scale um, their work into other geographies and other communities around the country um, and would want to partner with us because it is true partnership on how we work with our grantees, although we call them portfolio organizations or portfolio investments. And um, so there's no applying to Greenlight funds, which I think that's, that is a differentiator from maybe a lot of other funders that are out there. So there's no throwing the acronyms out, no RFPs, no LOIs. Um, we um, try to, to seek you out, um, but there's also a lot of organizations that now know about Greenlight, know that we're helping organizations scale and grow their impact into our communities. So they might seek us out and... Um, and then we just try to find the right timing, fit, opportunity as we're doing diligence on the organization's potential to come in, but also doing diligence on the ground in our community to understand in partnership with community um, that focus area and how this organization might fit, how it might operate, how it might be sustainable over time, what's its revenue model, Um what uh, impact can we reasonably expect to see over a period of time from this organization to move that needle for our community that's just been stuck? Um, and so we make an investment um, into one organization per selection cycle that's running in each of our communities um, every year, year over year. And we invest $600,000 unrestricted over a four-year period as that kind of seed funding to help that entity come and set up shop in our, in our community, hence being known sometimes as an importer, right? It's, it's, we're investing in something that is not there, but could come in there and be really successful and putting a lot of momentum behind that really amazing thing. Um, and then you think like through all of that, that takes like 12 months, right? Just to get to that point of making that decision, but our real work, it's almost like the tip of the iceberg is what you see when we're making the selection, but our real work is what you don't see of that iceberg. It's four plus years of portfolio management and partnership to help prop up this amazing thing in our community so that it can get impact as effectively and as efficiently as possible and be set up to thrive um, in our communities over time. And so those will be those final steps of our green light method of investing and then measuring and holding accountability around mutually agreed upon key, um, key performance indicators, KPIs, um, that we set at the outset and check in on pretty rigorously year over year um, to make sure that the organization is on mark with where we thought that they would be. Told you it was a rickety elevator. I like, think it's an amazing story. I wouldn't cut out a single part of that. <laughs> I want everybody to hear every word of that because it's, it's truly remarkable. Um, there's so many special components uh, to what the work that you and Greenlight do as well. Also, one thing that, I mean, among many other questions that I have for you as well, so I'd love to hear you talk more about, is that unrestricted component to the funding that you provide, which really creates a unique scenario that 
unfortunately is still, I believe, a problem quite a bit, especially in the nonprofit impact kind of space where oftentimes a lot of the money comes with these so-called strings attached. We can limit or stifle innovation, the ability to scale, those types of things. And I know that is key element to what Greenlight Fund does or specifically doesn't do or chooses not to do because it limits in terms of the kind of impact that you can drive as well also. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more, maybe providing context in terms of you know, why that can be limiting and how the green light approach is different than that and uh, why. Yeah, that's a, it's a great question and one that I'm very passionate about and have a soapbox on um, and highly, highly recommend unrestricting your dollars and also to the extent that you can to make larger grants, uh, multi-year commitments um, because it allows so much greater flexibility for these amazing organizations and amazing teams to do their work and um, and not spend so much time um, on, on grant applications and hopefully and hope you know year over year and chasing those dollars to do this amazing work that we know is phenomenal. And so um, so for us, you know, we do a pretty rigorous due diligence process. And so we're turning over every rock, every stone around financials, um, impact, um, leadership structure, uh, replication um, strategy, success, um, very much leaning into understanding how they see their change in the world and how that and how that like tangibly manifests. Um, so there's so many questions, analysis that's done in our in our diligence um, process to land on making an investment. But part of that is also developing mutually a four year local budget. Um, so we have full, per so we don't just give 600,000 and say, good luck. We hope it goes great. Um, we actually like to see what's the plan. How much is it going to cost to do this and to be successful doing this based off of what you've learned from doing this elsewhere? Um, and then what's the local context that needs to be brought in, which usually would be brought in around salaries, you know, what you would pay a local executive director in Oakland may be very different than what you pay a local executive director in Cincinnati, for example. So it has to be contextual, but we have a four-year window to see where revenue flow, how revenue flow is, is um, happening and generating as well as what those expenses look like. And for our dollars to be super flexible over that four-year period, is critical for an organization. It allows them to front load, which we do uh, front load a lot of those critical dollars because this new thing is coming into a community that although they're benefiting from being in Greenlight's portfolio where we have community trust built up over time, they're still new coming in. And so you're, I call them the wait and seers. Our dollars kind of give a little bit of that runway until those wait and seers can see, well, it's great that this worked in New York, but until I see it work in Kansas City, we're not going to support this. And so we kind of are able to front load our dollars and be flexible. But also if the public revenue stream is coming in um, and there's an opportunity because there's this influx from the feds or state or city, county, we can shift our dollars for that unexpected flow that might come in to better support their work. And at the end of the day, you have amazingly brilliant, smart people who are leading these organizations. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Trust that they've led their organization 
they've done this over and over again. They know what it takes to do this in your, what it would take to do this in your community. And so I know we've heard a lot about trust-based philanthropy. That's definitely a buzzword these days and in our spaces and in the social sector, but this is truly leaning into partnership and leaning into trust and saying, we trust that you're going to use our dollars well. We're going to hold you accountable in these ways, but we're also going to support you in these ways, which means we're going to help unlock some dollars for you. We're going to introduce you to our network. We're going to do all those things that make it really difficult to come into a new place and set up shop right out of the gate on your own. And I think it becomes so critical to remove barriers and hurdles wherever you can. And one of those is absolutely remove restricting dollars. Um, guess what? Paying the light bill is just as important as, right? Like, and you making those judgment calls for an organization of what's more important or what's not, um, to me is doing a disservice to these amazing leaders in our sector who are doing this phenomenal work. Definitely couldn't have said it better myself. I know that for sure. Excellent we shared the same soapbox, Sean. That's good. Very resounding fashion. So thank you. I <laughs> yeah. would shout that from the rooftops 24-7 if I knew it would move the needle in any way. Um, so I use this format as much as possible and try to connect experts like yourself to the audience that needs to hear that message because it's an important one. So thank you. Um, let's see. Next best question from there on my end, I think, is you started talking about the remarkable leaders that you work with and Greenlight Fund has empowered so many of them. They have achieved incredible results. I'm lucky enough to be connected to many of them and you know been along for some of that ride and helped maybe in a small way. I'd love to hear you share with our audience more about what you've seen from those leaders, any common themes, any of these organizations that have been able to make remarkable results and really scale impact at an entirely different level from when you initially got connected with them. What can these leaders learn from those that have done it successfully? What are some of the common things you see some of these organizations do that may be unique in approach or strategy, which enables them to truly scale impact? Oh, that's a meaty one. Um, <laughs> right? one I love because at the end of the day, it's these amazing human beings that are doing this work, who come up with these phenomenal ideas, who take risk to try and test them who put everything into it and um, and then have a deep-seated belief that this shouldn't just be for here in this one community, that there could be others in some way, shape, or form that could benefit from this. It doesn't mean direct replication always, but it could be other ways to think about scale and growth. Um, so if they're exceptional. You know, our We've done uh, investments in 46 organizations to date. We'll actually hit 50 um, soon, uh, which will be really exciting for us. And each of the national leaders of those organizations are unique. Each of the local leaders of those organizations who we work even more closely with on the ground in our communities with our team are so passionate and committed to their communities and driven by wanting to make change um, and see and not just talk about it, but be in the doing of it. So, um, so I'm I'm always impressed by the intellect, by the passion and the drive, um, the and 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 how the unique perspective because we're agnostic focus area. So we've gotten a chance to see leaders operating in workforce development, leaders operating in the health space, housing, 
every facet of education space. Um, but one thing I may lift up that I've noticed, you know, in doing this for 12 years and and previous to Greenlight being in the direct service and like in scaling um, programs and, and being in the doing part um, versus kind of Greenlight as that supporter part is that when you're thinking about scale and growth, I think it's really important to recognize and or build a team that has, I'm going to use a, an analogy of a, of a car. And it's not an electric car, Sean, because I, I haven't figured out how to make that work for that for this one. But I think it's so important for an organization to have the gas pedal. Maybe one, maybe a couple of people within the organization, the leadership team, the board that are the gas pedal that are, let's go. We've got this. We don't have everything figured out. Who cares? Like, we'll figure it out as we go. Um, are willing to take risks. Um, and, and just move at the speed of lightning or, or would like to, and, and if they can, um, which doesn't always jive with nonprofits <laughs> moving at the speed of lightning. Um, I also think it is so, so important that organizations recognize and have the, the break. So you got the gas pedal, but you got to have the break. You got to have folks within your team and your leadership team or on your board that are saying, Time out. No way. We can't expand to three cities right now. We still haven't got this figured out. Or oh, I love fine ops. Shout out to all our fine ops um, uh, uh, peers and colleagues. They're usually the breaks. How are we going to pay for this? Um, we can't. We can't do this. Um, and so, so I. But I think that that sh that balance, right? Like the checks and balance around that gas pedal and that break are are so critical for an organization who's to have a healthy perspective around scale and growth. Um, and then I think probably one of the most integral parts is um, team members who are the clutch. Now, for a lot of folks, that's why I can't figure out the electric car piece. Um, but for those of you who do know how to drive a manual and understand the role that a clutch plays in a car, um, it's is a, a team member that can help smoothly accelerate a trans like transition to acceleration, but can also recognize when you need to smoothly transition to decelerate, right? Um, that clutch is so critical in that way. The organizations who are in our portfolio, Greenlight Funds portfolio, organizations that we've been very excited about, we may not have invested yet, but they're on our radar. We're really hoping over the next couple of years, we'll be able to make investments. I promise you every single one of those teams has those a representation of those critical three um, within their core units and are open about understanding why it's important to have each of them have created a safe space to share perspectives, to push each other around what you're worried about or what excites you. Um, and and, and that it's embraced to have those perspectives because you're going to need them when you are coming across um, or getting pushed around critical barriers for your organization. Or if you have accelerated growth and you're plateauing, like to get you through that next phase. And sometimes the best decision is to not grow. I have to tell you, we've gotten that. We've, we've like seeked out amazing organizations. And I have the deepest respect for a leader that tells me 
you know what, Casey, we're not ready right now. We actually need to focus on the growth that we, we currently have our existing footprint, but can you come talk to me in two to three years? Cause I think we might be in a really great place. Then there is a deep level of respect for, um, understanding where you are, where your team is, um, in that journey. So that's what I would let there is probably like 500 other things that I am forgetting or missing Sean around (laughs) these amazing leaders and how they think and operate. But if I had to like pull it up, that to me is one that has really been a lesson learned and a standout. Um, and if you could figure out the electric vehicle part of that, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do. I love the car analogy. I'm a car person. I don't know if we've talked about that yet, but I think it translates very well. So, Yeah, I think it was fantastic. And uh, we should do more podcast episodes as well, too, to get those other ideas out as well. I think that would be really cool because I undoubtedly believe that you have lots of and even additional excellent advice for these organizations as well, too, just based on how much you've learned. Uh, I think it will be remarkable to do that also. But for now, I want to thank you tremendously for being here recording amazing episode with me. I'm super excited to share this content with the audience. But before I let you go, let us know if you have any parting thoughts for any organizations or leaders out there, uh, perhaps in terms of connecting with Greenlight Fund. So anyone in particular that you feel like should be looking for or attempting to reach out to you, let us know what that profile might look like and how they should get and how they should be uh, getting in touch with you. Oh, thank you for this opportunity to kind of share in this way. I think we would love to know about your organization. You know, if you are... Um, kind of operating in the broad umbrella of economic mobility, um, which we know can take varying lanes. Um, and you're thinking about scale and growth and have interest, particularly in our 12 cities, which you can go to our website at um, greenlightfund.org. O-R-G. Um, you can find our map to, to see our what our geographic footprint is right now. Um, please reach out to to myself. Um, I am uh, cjohnson at greenlightfund.org. I would love to talk with you and um, see where there may be a a potential fit um, for investment um, and to get you on our radar of our teams. And that would be the first step would be to talk to me and and I'll pull in some of my team um, to get a chance to get to know you better. And um, don't hesitate to reach out. Final thoughts are scaling is not easy. And I, I, you know, I know you've covered this ground with some of the other amazing leaders you've had on, Sean, um, uh, for this phenomenal podcast, but it's hard. And I don't think we often truly acknowledge that of how hard it can be. Um, and I think that it also can be hard um, to think about when is going to be the right time for my organization to do this and also be okay with if there's never that right time, because you just want to focus on the area where you've started this amazing thing and to have that discipline um, and discipline with your team to figure out when is that right time, um, have open conversations about it and see where it takes you with no promises that at the, at the end of that, you have to make a decision to scale or not scale, to grow or not grow. Um, but it is hard. And um, Greenlight Fund tries to be a really critical partner to help you make remove some of those barriers to make it less hard. Um, and we can't remove all of them. So we're trying to get better each and every day as a partner to you all. And um, I look forward to hopefully meeting some new orgs down the road um, after this. 
And thanks That's for remarkable. Me. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here, Casey, and all the amazing work that you do at Greenlight Fund. I'd encourage any executive directors or leaders of impact-driven organizations to reach out, partner with Greenlight Fund, take advantage of their amazing programs, and uh, looking forward to having you back to record more awesome content from here as well, too. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your knowledge and experience. Thanks so much, Sean. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Scaling Impact. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you'd like to learn how to scale impact at your nonprofit organization by more than double in less than half the time, I'd encourage you to sign up for my free five-day email course at nextstep.io forward slash impact. That's nextstep.io, nxtstep.io forward slash impact.